What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience, the podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. We have a super special guest today, Mr. Javon Barnes, also known as Old Dirty White. Welcome That's to the right. show, man. How you doing? <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. We're so glad to talk to you. Hey, I'm super happy to be here and uh, super great to meet you guys. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, just hope we get to help some more people today, right? Yeah. That's the goal. That's the goal, and I think we most certainly will, Angie and I, and we've all been talking for 30 minutes before we even started the show, and we've got so much in common, and your story is amazing, and uh, empowering, you know, and that's kind of the idea here with, with our podcast is trying to empower people to either get sober or stay sober or continue fighting. And, you know, like you said, if we could just reach one person with your story, with, you know, the interview, then, hey, dude, mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah. One person at a time, one day at a time. Um, and it seems to be that when I've done, you know, podcasts to, to, to help, it seems to hit more than one person. Yeah, which is which is really cool. This the story is pretty captivating. Um, so you know, if you guys want to, uh, yeah, tap into that today. Let's um, do it. Let's start there. Let's let's hear the story. Um, I think our listeners, uh, you know, we've talked about dealing with addiction. We deal with people. Everybody has that commonality of trauma in their past. But I think with you in particular, that trauma takes it to a whole nother level. And, and I look at what you lived through and, and that you made it out and it's amazing. So I would love it if you could share with our listeners that story uh, so they can, they can share that journey too. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Fresno, California. We, the, at the time, so I was born on seven seven seventy seven. So it was a different time yeah. in the in the in the seventies, right? It was the area that I lived in was super impoverished. There was, you know, PCP heads rolling up and down. Heroin was was super popular. Meth hadn't really been much of a thing yet. People were more, you know, shooting heroin, PCP, cocaine, alcohol. I mean, there was some meth heads. Uh, no, that that really wasn't a, a you know super dominant, but PCP had hit the streets oh, uh, man. when I was little. So you had it, it looked almost like outside of my house, there was like a walking path out out in front of my house, and it was just like junkies, like just walking up and down, and they were all blown out on something. I wasn't even allowed really to go outside and play. So not only was it a war zone outside of my house. But then on the inside of my house, my dad was a drug addict, alcoholic, mm -hmm. right? We didn't have hot water. The doors didn't work. I would, you know, like in the song, never fit in. When I said broke is a joke, rustler jeans, every step I take the itch in me. I was in clothes that I could not stand as a child. Everything was handy down. If it wasn't handy down, you know, and I mean, at Salvation Army, Goodwill, you know, and if it wasn't hand-me-down, if the jeans were new, they were not Levi's, they were that rustlers. So yeah. we were just, I had a really bad complex with how I was dressed, 
the type of food that we were being fed, we just didn't have a lot. I mean, it was, it was actually impoverished. It was less than a lot. Right. Yeah. I think a child can go through not having a lot if there's safety, if there's love, right. If there's encouragement, if the child feels safe, they're not going to even know that they're poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of rich kids out there that, that are abused and they're miserable and they got tons of money. Right. Right. The right. Thing that, the thing that kids need is love and safety. Well, I wasn't safe outside the home. I wasn't safe inside the home. My dad's knocking my mom out, beating the snot out of me constantly. I didn't even have a name as a kid. And it, it, my name was Nimrod. Mm-hmm. My name wasn't Javon. So and I heard son every now, you know, it was like, but most of the time it was Nimrod. I wasn't allowed to cry. I wasn't allowed to show emotion. Um, was that fueled by, was your dad also on, on drugs? Yeah, he was a drug addict, alcoholic. Well, my, and his mother drank herself to death when she was 56, my grandmother. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's generational. Of course. Generational trauma, generational alcoholism, generational drug addiction. Yep. So yeah, my dad's mom drank herself to death. I was like, you know, six, seven years old when she died. Um, and, you know, still to this day. You know, God bless him, but my, you know, my dad's still a drug addict, alcoholic. Dude, I've seen my dad twice in fifteen years. Wow, wow. he's not, he's he's seen my children twice. He doesn't even have grandkids, like as far as I'm concerned, right? Because yeah. he's not safe. He's still not safe. So go back to the childhood. Um, I was beaten with adamant objects, it, which was just crazy because in the you know in the late '70s and early '80s. I don't may may make me sound a little bit older, but I am. <laughs> All good. Hanger <laughs> yeah. hangers hangers were made in America. Do you remember when things were made in America and they and they weren't shipped in from overseas? Yeah, well, those were the days. The steel hangers were like four times as thick. Yep. <laughs> yep. American or used to steel. take those and stretch them out and whip me with them. Oh, and man. my body would be covered with welts like a slave. And it was like, okay, well, your body builds a tolerance till you're beaten, beat with getting beaten with that thing. Let's get a smash ball paddle. Well, smash ball paddles aren't those cheap ones like they are now. It, they had holes in them and they had steel that was wrapped around the edges of the smash ball paddle. So he would take those. And I mean, you got about, you know, let's, my hands right here, it's about a quarter to a half inch thick steel that bound the wood together that went around. And man, those things. Between the hangers, smash ball paddles, the it was just terrible. I mean, it was and, and it did wasn't just happening to me. It was happening to my brothers as well. Mm-hmm. So that was my experience really as a kid was I felt like I was always walking on eggshells. Yeah. And if I cried, I'd have, you know, I'd have this three hundred pound monster about a quarter inch away from my face calling me the most disrespectful, vile, you know, things on planet earth that mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't need to go into the things I was being called on the podcast. Cause I don't think that's really going to help anybody, but it was pretty much using female body parts in a very disgusting way to uh, degrade me. Yep. Right. So it was just, and it was miserable. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't wish my childhood on anybody. I don't really have like memories still to this day. I, I've tried to go through because I've done trauma therapy for 10 years. 
I've tried to go through the annals of history and tried to like remember really good things that uh, happened. That wasn't, mm. I still can't really do that. It was always integrated with anger, rage, violence, abuse, you know, just miserable. Yeah. So, you know, you, t you, you put a kid, I was actually a very sweet child from I the bet. age of like four. I remember being a really sweet kid. Something snapped in me when I was like eight or nine years old. And I, I turned really violent, like mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah. And Well, sweet wasn't I survival for you. Yeah, right. Well, and then I started to realize, you know, I've always been a pretty good sized guy. I'm like, you know, I'm now almost six, three. And I've always had that height. But for some reason, there was like a target on my back constantly. And people would, would, would antagonize me mm -hmm. and then i started to realize that i could fight that's like something i don't know if i was born with it i wasn't really trained to do it but i could fight yeah and so i just started knocking people out and that that once i started to realize that i could produce uh success out of fear produce putting fear on people through anger and violence i was just I, all i was doing was just taking what was done to me and then passing it on right right yeah it makes total and, sense yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, my dad had this like really grandiose idea to move us out of the ghetto into a, a more rich area mm -hmm. in town, which was the worst thing he could have ever done because I really didn't know how poor we actually were until we moved to an area that we couldn't afford. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So he moves us to an area where people actually have money. And we couldn't even afford living there. And it was like, he's constantly striving, trying to trying to keep up with the Joneses and whatnot. Well, now I'm really getting made fun of. That's mm -hmm. what that song Never Fit In is about. Gotcha. Like, now I'm getting really getting made fun of. And now I'm really having to knock people out. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> having to beat people up. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that, that went on until all the way through up until, you know, 14, 15 years old. I just went to the streets mm -hmm. and then I became an adolescent runaway. Right. Where'd you run away to? Huh? Where did you run away to at, at 15? Did you have anywhere to go or any idea on just, no, just was anything was better than being home? It was so terrifying. Yeah. I was sleeping on the ground in bathrooms. I was jumping, uh, I was jumping electrical field, you know, like when they've got, uh, the power fields with the brick concrete walls that block those power fields, yeah, yeah. I jump those and sleep behind those at night. No shit. Oh, Cause wow. I knew that nobody was going to jump a fence to get into a power field to find me. Right. Because I was born with this really unique capability to generate revenue. If nobody taught it to me. And we just, you know, really, it was just a hustle game. Mm -hmm. It was probably because of being so poor and my communication skills have always been really good and how, how I communicate with people. So people have been drawn to me. Yeah. And so I started learning how to flip drugs. And it started because I was selling candy at school, right? <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd get my hustle game on selling selling candy. Well, I learned how to sell sell drugs by selling candy at school. Yeah. So I was like, oh. I just figured out, you know, that I could make more money selling drugs in Fresno. It's difficult though, because they were finding out where I was sleeping, being homeless, you know, and I, at the time I only had about a backpack full. Um, I wasn't uh, moving the type of weight that we'll get into in a little later down the story, but you know, 
I was surviving sleeping on the ground and I had usually, you know, a, a pound of herb, you know, uh, maybe a half pound of mushrooms, maybe a couple, three, 400 hits at LSD. I would, I was just trying to flip what I knew people wanted. Yeah. And I had this access to this connection, uh, <clears throat> that was able that knew people that were in Oregon that were bringing, you know, garbage bags full of mushrooms down and high grade weed and stuff like that. But mainly what I was making my money off of was, was selling what we called stress, which was just that, that, that weed with the seeds in it. That was, that yeah, was brought over brick weed. Yeah, they're the bricks. Yeah. So, you know, I buy a brick, flip it, you know, problem is I kept getting robbed Damn. I, and it was by multiple dudes. It wasn't just by one dude. So I, they'd find out where I was sleeping and take everything out of my backpack mm -hmm. and I have to start over again. Man, I did that so many times, but the thing about it is it taught me how to survive at a deeper level. Right. I could grind out of the gutter with nothing like that and, and flip things quickly. I can't even tell you how much that's helped my life now because I'm a mortgage branch owner and a record label owner. I know how to grind out of the gutter. I'm not saying selling drugs is right, but there's things that I took from that and I turned it and used it for good. Right. So yeah, I would just want to interject right there. We we yeah. often say that, and I see it all the time. Is drug addicts are like the best hustlers. Like once we can yeah. get sober, once we like turn yeah. our life life around, there's literally nothing we can't achieve or do because we're so used to that hustle just to survive back in the day. And that if you turn those forces towards good, you're a powerhouse. Yeah. yeah, you're really you know your insight is so good, and I know you guys are are, are dealing with 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 these with, with all of a bunch of Javons on a daily you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. basis helping people, you know, but man, I will take a reformed drug addict alcoholic that was a hustler and put them in the mortgage game and I will have them making over six figures within yep. nine months. Oh yeah. Every 100%. single time. I don't want the ones with that little cute piece of paper that have been indoctrinated they don't know how most of them have not they don't know how to hustle and you know like i said i don't and i'm not saying that selling drugs and doing what i was doing was right but we i do believe we can take every situation that we've been given or that, that we walk through and we can use it for greater good yeah mm -hmm. if we view it that way what can i take out of there that's that that's meat and leave the bones not bring the bones with me but take out the meat and that's what I've had to do in my trauma therapy over 10 years is go through and find where, where did that help me become who I am? Even with the beatings, even with the verbal abuse, even with the emotional abuse, even, you know, the, the sexual abuse that was involved, I've learned how to forgive and take every single thing. I'm not mad at my dad no more. Like I was mad for years and that's yeah. why I went to the streets. And so, you know, that takes a lot. That takes a lot of work to overcome that kind of um, trauma and forgive that person. You know, that's not like a, a one session kind of thing. That takes a lot. No, no, that was a consistent, you know, showing up for for years and years and never giving up yeah. and knowing that I had trauma triggers and knowing that those trauma triggers is the reason why I was medicating, yep. you know, um, but, you know, without getting you guys too derailed with your audience, the you know, I'm sleeping on the ground, I'm getting robbed, right? I'm starting over. Well, as you guys watch Humpty Dumpty, you know, the video, 
So adolescent Javon breaks into that car, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that car, I didn't know. All I was doing was opening a bunch of cars. I didn't kick any windows in. I didn't. I never felt right about that. I was like, I'm not going to break somebody's window. But there was a car door that was open. But if I it's pulled open, that backpack yeah. out. <laughs> there was a there was a loaded gun in there. Oh damn! And it was filled with bullets. I took that. I took that straight to Pinedale, which is kind of like a small version of of some of the really hard areas in Watsonville. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Pinedale, but uh-huh. that's where Barrio Pinedale Norte. That's where. That's where. Those are the type of dudes that I was connecting with, and so I took that. I took that gun to Pinedale to to one of the VPNers, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you three eighty for it." And I was like, "Bet." Like, give me my three hundred eighty bucks. So I went and bought a brick, right? Roll back up again. It took me. I didn't get robbed again for a while, and I ended up getting my own apartment at I don't know seventeen. By the time I had my own apartment, I was, I had a minimal of 200 people a day coming in and out of my house. Mm-hmm. It literally looked like New Jack City. And I was making so much money as a, as, as a young kid because now I had a place for people to go. Right. Right. And I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. Well, finally, my apartment gets robbed. And my friend who I'm still friends with now, um, he, I wasn't at the house and if I remember right. I think he was tied up or he was held down. I mean, it was just really bad, right? We got helicopters flying up above the house mm-hmm. and there was nothing there because they took everything. Well, then the cops show up and they're like, well, we know what you're doing, but there's nothing here. All you got is a triple beam. All you got is a scale. Yeah. Everything's gone. There's some stems and some seeds. Like we can't pop you for that. So they left. I still had a, I still had a little bit of stash of money. I had enough money. I think I had like 450 bucks or I, you know, I, I had enough to get to Humboldt County. I was like, that's it. I was like, I'm never going to come up here. Every time I start to come up, somebody finds out about how much money I'm making. It's like crabs in a bucket in Fresno. Yeah. It, it, it's the prison mentality system. That's, that's down there. And there's a lot of like, players out I'm, there. You know, there's a lot of, huh? there's a lot of players on that chessboard in Fresno. Bro. So yeah, it's and just they don't like, like it. Mm-hmm. what are you gonna do you know there's a lot bigger fishes fish yeah and they don't like they don't like i was out doing dudes that were like 10 years older than me i've always done that yeah. i don't know how that is or why that's worked out it's just something i carry and um i was in my head i was like you know what i'm just gonna i'm going to humble county that's it that's where all the weeds grown that's where that triple a is and i just started selling triple a right right when right you know, I was moving bricks, but then I was selling AAA because that just started to really in 94, 95. That's when that's when that high grade AAA, you know, we called it Stunka. That's 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 when that's when that came to the scene. And it was super expensive, man. It was like 480 an ounce. Oh, right? wow. 450 an ounce. Right. You're lucky if you get it for 400. And so I started flipping that. But then I figured out, oh, everybody's growing it up in the Emerald Triangle. I'm out. Went to the Emerald Triangle. And I kid you not. I think I was, I don't have a timeline in front of me. I was 18 or 19 years old, right? Probably 18. I'm not even joking. I was rolling into town and I had this thing come over me where I was like, I am going to own this whole place in one year. I'm going to dominate. This place is weak. 
that's what I thought in my head. I was like, this place is soft. They have no idea what's coming into town. Yeah. That's how I thought. And kid you not, for some reason, growers responded to me really well. I think it's because they knew I wasn't a punk and that when I looked them in the eye and they knew they were going to get their money, they were going to get their money. And I just started to grow really quickly, very, very, very quickly. There was one incident that happened. I've never even talked to this about this on a podcast. This is the first time there was one instance where somebody tried to rob me and I sent a message to that whole County. I drug him from a three story top of the house. I drug him down. I headbutted him and knocked him out and drop and drove him down, drug him down three stories of stairs as he's knocked out and his head is hitting the stairs. And we took, we took his face and started smashing it into a steel pipe on the steel drain pipe on the side of a house. His whole face looked like it was like, it was so bad. I mean, I still feel bad today for, for, for doing this to this person. Well, we weren't done. He woke up and I was in a 65 Mustang fastback and I took his face and smashed it up against the top of that old Ford steel. And I told my boy, I was like, Hey, bring the scissors. Cause he had dreadlocks. I was like, I'm going to scalp him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send a message to everybody in this town that if you come across me the wrong way, you will, you're going to pay. So we cut all his dreads out and we left one dread in the middle of his head. So we shaved all his dreads out. He, I took all his clothes off and I threw him in front of the jail. Cause I found out that he had a warrant mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with me. So I stripped him down to his boxers, cut all his dreads out and then dropped him off out in front of the jail within like probably 72 hours, the whole County. I, it was just weird. It was like this. It's like everybody all just like believed in me or they feared. I don't, I, I can't explain it. Yeah. They feared you. Like, there, there was fear yeah. there. I mean, everybody was like, how much you need? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. I need five pounds. You know, and it just started. <laughs> yeah. Started yeah. Escalating People started that. listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did not want to cross. Yeah. You. No and, way. And you know, that's, I, I t- this is why I haven't talked about it a lot on podcasts. Cause I don't want people thinking that I'm sitting here trying to act like I'm Billy BA. That's right. not, that's not what this is. This is actually like a, a disgusting thing that I did to another human over some, over a couple thousand bucks, you know? Well, I also um, think it adds context to the story too. Uh, you know, I've been a counselor for the last eight years and I have plenty of clients that convince me that they're drug kingpins, right? And there's, yeah, it's a facade and you know, it's so like you're adding context to a, a story of like, dude, I really was selling a lot of drugs. I was really in the game and. And yeah. that's okay, you know, and that's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it moved pretty quickly. So by the age of 20, that's like a year after I got there, I'm moving like a million to three million a month. Wow. And I own a glass manufacturing operation with glass blowers under me. I had multiple businesses. I had, you know, when I think it was, I was 22, 22. Yeah, I was 22. I just turned 22 or 23. I just, I bought a monstrous house on five acres of redwoods by the beach, you know, 40 foot, 40 foot tall ceilings, a spa in my bathroom. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. It was just insane. And I had a driver that was, so we had people from, I had people from Santa Cruz, San Francisco, LA, San Diego, uh, uh, grass Valley. I had people everywhere coming to meet me in the city and I would rent out the uh, hotel Monaco and I had the whole 
I had the place, you know, the hotel on lock. So I'd walk in, I'd hand the, hand the front bell man a hundred. He would usher it. He would usher in, you know, the, the people that were coming to see me and they would be walking out with their, you know, with their duffel bags. You know, I would go down to Fresno. They called me the ghost because I'd go down to Fresno and keep in mind, I already knew how many times I've been robbed in Fresno. Right. Yeah. I'd go down to Fresno and I'd move a quarter million and be gone in an hour and a half. And by the time people figured out where I was, because people were trying to rob me, because you're rolling down with 250, 400,000, 500,000 worth of weed, I, I was in and out. I mean, I get phone calls from my friends I still talk to today that I went to high school with. They'd be calling me like, how did you get out of here that quick? Like, you're already gone. And everybody, you just, I mean, you you pretty much just invaded all of Fresno with the best weed that we've ever seen. And there's so much of it, like, and it'd be gone in like 10 days. And I'd be, they call, boom. We need to bring another hundred pounds down or whatever, you know, it was just constant. So back then we was 4,500 a pound out of town. So to move 3 million a month, that's not really moving that much weight. Now to move $3 million worth, you got to move a ton, literally, uh, literally yeah. a ton. Yeah. Literally you got to move 25, you know, 2,200 pounds or whatever. That's not what I was doing. A hundred pack was 450 grand. Wow. Right. That's how expensive it was it, for the, you know, for the stuff that I was bringing it, you know, mm. which was like the triple, the triple, triple A. And so I built a network. Not only that, I had five houses I was growing at. So I had my brother running one of the houses. I had my cousin running one of the houses. I had some of my glass blowers running the houses. So not only did I have this huge network that I was brokering all these pounds from all these people all over the place. I also had people in, involved that were, were direct bloodline family members that were running my grow houses. So, you know, we'd pull, I, I mean, sometimes we'd harvest all the houses at the same time. I'd have another like 80, 90 grand just in my hand profit. I mean, there's just so much money. I didn't even know what to do with it. Oh. And I figured out what to do with it. <laughs> and so I started medicating. I started getting connected with chemists like we were talking before the show came on about people didn't know what they were what they're getting right now with fentanyl and yeah i was getting mdma straight from the chemist i was getting lsd from that was pulled up out of the ground from the pranksters from the early 80s from dead tour right so it was, I mean, it was just raw l um we were getting dimetrotryptamine from uh, from another person who who we knew that knew somebody that was extracting it from tree bark. So it was that organic dimetrotryptamine. Oh wow! Had another friend that that was connected with a dentist. So we were getting medical nitrous tanks, right? Had <laughs> another. I mean, every I was getting it straight from the root source from every single person. I had the cartel that I was selling to the Mexican cartel up in Fresno. They were just dropping off eight ounce blocks uh, of blow for my personal use. I mean, I could just, you know, have, I wasn't even selling it. I never sold cocaine. Yeah. I wasn't my deal. I didn't sell the pills. I didn't, I didn't do any of that to make money. I was making so much money in the weed and hash game that I could snort as much Coke as I wanted. I could eat as much pills. I mean, I had, you know, those big, those big Ziploc bags, the bigger ones mm -hmm. stuffed with Zanbars. That's what this next song's about. Zans okay. stuffed with Zanbars. So, so much pills. Dirty does not do good on pills. Let's just <laughs> let's let's just be really clear about about Crown Royal cocaine and pills. That is a bad bad mix for me. So, I mean, 
I mean, you got to have money to be a cocaine addict. Like that drug goes yeah. so fast. It's so expensive. Like I, I didn't yeah. know any cocaine addicts that didn't have a lot of money or access to cocaine. Yeah. You know, at 20, at 20, 21, I, I was, I was, you know, making on average and, and I don't have the exact numbers because I, I can't stand it when people exaggerate this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so conservatively, I was making 50 grand a month yeah. I, I, as a young kid, right? That was the profit. You know, when you're brokering a million you're not even making 10%. You're making like 2% off, you know, of every hundred grand. You make, you might make 2%, right? As a broker, you're not even making 5%. So the numbers, you know, you can be like, oh yeah, I was selling 3 million a month. It's really not that much profit in comparison to how much prison time you can actually do. Right. But for me, it was still worth it, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's worth it to take the risk to make $9,000 in, 30 minutes. That was about my average. You know, I was almost making like, I mean, when I dealt my did but did my big deals, it was like making 20 grand an hour. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's pretty good. Like, boom, 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 pop it all off, count the money, move it, get out of the hotel, you know, onto the next one. But, you know, making 50 grand a month, I can support. I mean, an ounce of blow at that time was like 650. I mean, are you kidding me right now? Like the type of money that I that's 650, like that's nothing. <laughs> No, that's how my brain, I mean, my, my, I had a $20,000 medallion that was handmade and hand designed for me around my neck. I had a $5,000 belt buckle, like, I, I like six, it, it just never, you know, di the dimetrotryptamine chunks that I were getting, that stuff's, uh, uh, what well, was 408 ball. Dang. So wow. yeah, dimetrotryptamine is really, really expensive. And then the LSD that I was getting was really expensive too. So I had 10,000 hits in a uh, in my freezer so i mean pretty much what i would do and that's what's going to be so cool about you know not cool but i'm exposing the the height of my addiction in the next video i'd wake up i'd have crown next to me drink my drink a crown chew up my zannies because everybody knows when you chew them you don't got to swallow them and you get higher you mm -hmm. get high faster right so i'm cool. chewing up those zannies yeah. or the volumes whichever ones i i wanted then I would snort a huge line of cocaine, right? And my eyes are just barely open. Well, I was getting those medical grade nitrous tanks. Then I'd roll out. I had one right by my kitchen. So I'd, you know, I got people passed out all over the place. I'd just wake a couple of them up, hang me upside down, stick the nitrous hose in my mouth, and then just suck on that nitrous hose till I'm spitting out on the ground. I mean, that was how I was starting starting my day what, my what, what day. so what is the hanging upside down like what is the added effect of that just like being lightheaded or no all the blood rushes to your head all the blood flow rushes to the front of your head yeah. and then you know the 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 hot the reason why you're getting high from the from the nitrous is because it's killing brain cells yeah suffocating your brain Ugh. so Lack all i was oxygen. doing was yeah. suffocating it at a deeper level by them hanging me upside down okay and then when you're eating lsd with nitrous it intensifies the trip by like 10. yeah how did you not have bad trips with everything you had going on i mean it intensifies people, paranoia and stuff how did how did that not happen honestly people that would be around me and this is not a joke they would come to my house they would eat one drop of that fluff that i used to get i'd squirt my hand down with 50 or 100 hits and just go for it just I'm not kidding. It was like a Visine bottle and I just squirted it all over and I did. I smear it all over my face and they're on one drop. 
and they're losing it. Oh and I remember my, my friend, he was like, how are you able, how can you do what you're doing? The reality, what I figured out through trauma therapy, I had so much trauma inside of me. There was no amount of drugs that I could do to fill that hole. There was no amount. Wow. I was, I was, I was a monster. I mean, honestly, I could eat 10 volumes. I could snort a quarter ounce of blow. We could, we could free base it up and then, and then smoke another half ounce if we wanted to on the weed. Cause I was rolling up chewy blunts, smoke the dimetrotryptamine, drink the, you know, the, not the biggest size thing of crown, but you know, the, the, the middle size ones mm -hmm. that are like, it's not the jug I call it, but it's like the middle. I could drink one of those to myself. Oh. I could drink a half a jug. So that's what that is, is a half a jug. Drink that, smoke weed all day long and do all that every single day and be completely, I just, I, I, I was functioning just fine. I see. And I get the mental, but I'm just surprised your body uh, could handle and process all that without shutting right. down and, and, and rejecting. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me because I'm sure you weren't in peak health condition either. Mm -mm. You know, what's crazy is, you know, I'm like, I told you guys at the beginning, I'm born on seven, seven, 77. Uh, maybe I'm lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, bigger I purpose. Now, I mean, obviously <laughs> being on the other side, 17 years since I've done any drugs. I got, I, the guys who I was partying with, they look like they're 20 years older than me. <laughs> right. Most of the people I talk to, they're like, you don't look like you're 44. Well, it's cause I've been eating organic food and, and working out every day for the last 17 years. Yeah. Like I'm only five pounds over my high school weight right now, but you know, that was a, I, I'm glad I changed when I was in my twenties, but you know, that medication had hit the medication hit its peak right? I started working with people that I didn't really know very well. Well, we go to do a deal one day and we got about, I think it was like 138,000, 140,000 in the trunk. And the guy who was supposed to bring us the weed shot my friend twice in the head next to me and the gun jammed at my head, right? As he's trying to unjam it and he's trying to unjam it and trying to murder me. My friends laid out on the steering wheel and uh that 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 was the moment you know what i mean i i was used to 140 grand around me all the time i mean that really to be honest with you 140 g's that's not even i was that was just second nature to me mm -hmm. these were not big deals to me once we started to get you know counting 400 grand that's when i kind of started to be like ah you know somebody could actually maybe do something to but i just thought i was untouchable because yeah. i was the golden boy you, you, you take the golden boy away. These people are going to find out who did what I was moving. I was cleaning out mountainsides is what I was doing at the time because there wasn't people growing tons like there are now, you know, to get a hundred pack is what we called it. That was a lot of weight for one grower to grow, to get a hundred pack and to trust somebody with that hundred pack. That's 400 grand, right? To trust somebody with that. I was very trustworthy. I just didn't want to burn the growers. Yeah. Well, homeboy shoots my friend in the head, right? Gun jams at my head. And I kid you not, because I'm actually writing a, starting to write a book about this. I'm on my knees praying, right? I'm on my knees praying. I kid you not. I'm in the middle of nowhere, about five miles away from Murder Mountain. I got out of the car. 
unlock the car. He's still trying to jam, unjam the gun. He throws my dead, my friend for dead on the ground, right? I'm, I'm running. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm like Mighty Mouse trying to get out of there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get, I get, it's right in Honeydew, which is about 20 minutes away from Murder Mountain. Cause I, I, I rolled at Murder Mountain all the time. Bridgeville, Alder Point, Honeydew, Matola, all that stuff. Um, I'm sorry, Petrolia. Uh, so I knew the, the, the area. Yeah. I knew where I was. I knew, I knew exactly what was going on. I also knew that there was nobody that was going to come and help me. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. People aren't rolling around murder mountain for no reason. Well, right. I kid you not. I'm on my knees praying. And I said, God, if you get me out of this, I'm done. I'll change my life and I'll never, I'll never go back. And I, and I, and I said, and this is me being perfectly honest. I said, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Mark my words, hand on a stack of Bibles within two and a half minutes a suburban pulls up in the middle of nowhere opens the door and says i'm a rabbi where do you need to go and i my jaw dropped i was like a rabbi from the bible like what are you talking there's no way like i was i, I was like i was just praying like this is impossible you know that's how it's almost like a movie like a hundred percent i mean i prayed a lot of times and no rabbis ever came <laughs> that's amazing that's I, it was it was so desolate where we were have you guys ever seen southern humboldt before or been by the avenue of the yes Giants? i have a lot of stories about that i grew up in reno and we would go there to get the weed <laughs> okay yeah so you know avenue of the giants i'm over in that area cars are not like coming through there right mm -hmm. so they drive me he's like hey where do you need to go well i lived in fieldbrook up by blue lake and that was like 45 50 minutes away he drove me all the way home and as I'm on the way home, I'm looking out the, the suburban and there's helicopters. There's hundreds of police cars going up and down the 101. I'm like, oh my God, like, this is, whoa, I'm screwed. But then I started to process in the middle because I'm in trauma. I'm shaking. Oh yeah. You're not thinking shot. clear. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. There's one thing that I know though, because it's not me being smart, but it, or saying I'm smart, but I know that I'm, I, I am, I have a very like street smart mindset. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, my friend's dead. He just got shot in the head. Our car got stolen. Drugs never showed up. And the dude, the dude who shot my friend in the head's got the money. My brain went like that quick, right? When I was processing that, what are they going to arrest Javon for? I didn't do nothing. I didn't shoot nobody. I didn't steal no money. I didn't set up that hit. I didn't have nothing to do with that. I'm, I'm lucky to just be alive. So when the 101 is now blocked off, because that's what happened, there's a line of cops and the whole 101's like blocked <laughs> off. They won't let anybody into Eureka. They go, the, the rabbi goes, hey bud, you gotta make a statement. I'm like making you make a statement or, or I'm gonna tell them my version. And I was like, well, I just told them that we got carjacked. And so I told the cops, I said, look, my friend just got shot in the head and I almost got murdered. We got carjacked. And they said, you got carjacked, really? And I knew, I, what are they going to hold me? There's no money. Mm -hmm. There's no said, evidence. Yeah, somebody came yeah. and shot my friend in the head and stole our car. Well, that was true. But they, I didn't tell them that, yeah, he stole $140,000 as well. They didn't need to know that. The money was already gone and I knew it was going to be gone. Yeah. So I didn't know we weren't getting it back. So within 10 days... I made a statement. They let me go home. 
and I'm getting ready to shut everything down. I'm yeah. in the process, but I had such a huge syndicate. I had my brother involved, which is the, one of the greatest regrets still to this day. I had my brother involved. I had my cousin involved, which is a huge regret for me. I altered the course of their lives um, by, by bringing that influence in. Now, they still chose. That's their deal, but I, I have a role to play in that. Um, I'm trying to shut everything down. I've got a massive garden at my house. It's like, you know, fall time. I've got, you know, 15 foot tall train wreck plants outside. I've got garages filled. I've got weed hanging. I, I mean, <laughs> just so much to break down. It, it just too much. Yeah. Like I, too much too fast. Can't just quit. Well, huh? You couldn't just quit. You couldn't just throw in the towel. No, bro. Too much and I told God that I, I told God that I would, right? I said, yeah. if you get me out of this, I'll be, I'll forever be done. Yeah. But that was a vow that I made. Well, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to make good on my word. Cause I knew that I knew that it was an act of God that I was out of there. Well, I got a bunch of girls from all over the place, hippie girls, dreadlocks down to their keisters <laughs> trimming for me, trying to get this stuff out of here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to throw the weed away. I wasn't, I wasn't that deep into my good, into my, my mindset of, of getting out that's like setting like, cash on fire get all my money you know <laughs> i'm gonna do this my way well the the feds the feds show up the vegas feds show up at my house unannounced with with no warrant right and they said uh they said i my friend goes and she goes javon there's three guys with badges out here and these are not they're wearing fbi jackets like and i was like it all up holy crap and so i mean i got plants hanging it's just it's crazy and i roll outside and i was like look what's up what do you guys want and i said where's your warrant and i said we don't got a warrant and i said well you what are you doing here then mm -hmm. and i said we're investigating a murder i go a murder yeah you mean the one that just got put on me and my friend and they said no the guy who just shot your friend in the head and tried to kill you just got murdered in las vegas mm -hmm. and we believe javon that you were the one involved with planning this murder i was like oh here we go like i had nothing to do with it and that's the god's honest truth i mean my heart broke when 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 i found out that blake died because oh. i found out things from southern humble that the guy who shot my friend in the head actually owed sixty five thousand dollars for a heroin addiction and he wasn't paying and it was actually a cartel so i found out that the guy who shot my friend to rob us was trying to save his own life from jet from from mainline and that dope Jeez. so it goes back to addiction again mm -hmm. right all corrupt so i essentially told him i said look get the f off my property i don't have nothing to do with this attorney i'm calling my lawyer blah 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 well i had a garage filled with fans and plants that I had not broken down yet, tipped off the Humboldt County Sheriff's, right? Humboldt County Sheriff Department shows up with 30 to 40, 30 to 40 deputies, raid my house, take my five-year-old daughter, she just turned five, it was actually her picture day, it was her kindergarten picture day, put my baby mama in jail, right? And they wanna pinch me with 104 105 pounds a hash manufacturing operation several pounds of hash 
the crazy thing is, is my friend, my friends who I told you I sold to that were bringing up the blow, the cartel in Fresno, they brought me right after the incident happened. They brought me an unregistered nine with hollow point bullets. I never messed with guns. I was mm-hmm. like, I hated guns. Mm. Well, I had that gun at my house. Oh. Had one of the cops not stole it, which they did, that would have been a mandatory five. Oh, yeah. That's Especially with right? the hollow points, yeah. So the gun disappeared. Act Another act of God. I just considered this an act, an act an, another random thing that took place. But it was unregistered with hollow points. They got that. They got, I mean, I'm done. The whole game's come down. So, you know, it's 12.09 right now. If we want to, if we want to try to, you know, there's so much more. Yeah. Oh that, yeah. And we don't want to cut it short. So let's do a part two. I would love to. We're also, have a, yeah. we're also getting to kind of like the, the, yeah, what happens point, you know? Yeah. It's a yeah. great, it's a great cliffhanger cliffhanger moment yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're you all know, on the same cool page. Because... I was just thinking that too. I was like, dang, I want, I don't think we should end with like uh, what happens next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we didn't do that with Rob either. I mean, you guys could probably tell that, you know, I've been, I've been speaking for like 15 years. So oh, yeah. this isn't my first rodeo with, with, with the story and using it to love on people. Yeah. But one thing I was going to ask you guys is if, when I come down there, I actually want to come down a little bit early so I can hear your guys' story oh, because you guys wouldn't be, be doing what you're doing. There's no way you'd be doing what you're doing unless you have a story. Yeah. Very true. Javon, can I tell you, we have you and I, so many similarities with our past. Like I have, you know, humbled. I have a rental car situation. Uh, I, there was just so. I grew up poor and moved to a rich area. So as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I did that too. I did that too. Much yeah. milder version, but it's it's interesting to me the parallels that you and I yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was I you're I was looking at you guys as all right because I was like, oh, who's this? You know, I, I assumed it had something to do with the podcast. Your your account's private, but. Uh, when I was looking, looking at the, looking at the Insta, I was like, oh, wow, there's, there's CrossFit involved in this. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a similarity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is a sober warrior. I think it was 26 years. Is that right? On 20, yeah. 20. Yeah. Coming up yeah. on 20 or 27 now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. And how long for you? Uh, coming up on eight, eight years yeah, in September. So Bro, you're, 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 I call it getting up to the dime piece. Once you, once you hit the dime. <laughs> It, once you that's that that's the biggest dime you're ever gonna get bro yeah, like, yeah. When, yeah. It, when the dime happens it's i don't want to say it solidifies you but there's something that changes man when when you hit that 10 it's almost like there's like the level of cost factor inside of your brain changes where you're like yeah. i'm not throwing out that 10 yeah it's too high uh-uh. that's my 10 yeah i earned that uh, you nobody's taking that from me Mm-mm. right and I'm, I'm getting ready to come up you know it's it's 15 with no alcohol and 17 with no drugs but when i hit that 20 with no drugs man and we're gonna have to throw get, a party I, <laughs> bro you know we we we'll do a just, special uh, one <laughs> there you go exactly we uh when we got the call on friday that we were playing Blue Ridge, you know, my manager, obviously Jamie's on here, but none of this stuff would be happening without Zach and Jamie. Mm-hmm. But all 
also none of it would be happening. I wouldn't know Zach and Jamie if it wasn't for Head. Right? My friend from Corn mm. is the reason why we got the distro deal, the management deal. And we'll go into that in the next podcast. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People cool. understand, like, look, when you change your life, if you would have told me 10 years ago, or how about 15 years ago, when I, when I stopped drinking, that I was going to be owning a record label and we were going to be playing at a venue where they sold like 140,000 tickets last year. If you would have told me that, I probably would have, I probably would have laughed or smacked you or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, it, like to have, to have that type of favor and to be able to now share my story uh, to the masses and actually give something back to humanity, which I don't, I don't believe for the majority that hip hop is doing right now. Yeah. I, I feel like it's actually very conducive to humanity's destruction right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. At least what's mainstream, you know, you got underground guys out there that, that, that are, that are trying to do something to help. But when it, when something, most of the stuff that's mainstream is hurting people and it's getting people blown out on Percocets and, it's and, tough. you know, perks and Coke and, you know, All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free, confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.